0: This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 225. Welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman. And today, uh, first off, just a quick apology that we were going to do a live news episode today. But uh, due to some technological uh, issues that are outside of our control, uh, we just couldn't make it happen, and uh, nor could we actually get the news episode itself recorded. So we are going to now share with you in today's episode the interview that Jacob and I had the pleasure of doing with John Lovell of Warrior Poet Society just recently at the NRA Annual Meetings and Exhibits. But before we get into that, here just in a few minutes, I do want to point out that today's episode is brought to you by a few episode sponsors. And first and foremost is Guardian Nation, GuardianNation.com. <clears throat> One of the great benefits of being a Guardian Nation member is free access to a premium library of training videos. Now in that library, a couple of videos I'd like to, or a segment of videos I'd like to draw your attention to would be those that are featuring dry fire practice. We have a number of videos talking about dry fire practice and I think those would be a great place to get started for many of you first time folks that are joining Guardian Nation, or maybe you've been a member for some time, and maybe it's been a while since you've been in the training video library. So head on over to guardianation.com, get signed up today if you haven't already, and if you are signed up, log in, go to the uh, training video library, check out those Dry Fire videos. Some other two sponsors of today's episode that I think complement those videos really well are two Dry Fire practice-oriented products. Uh, Number one would be the Glock E-Trainer, Glocketrainer.com, G-L-O-C-K-E-T-R-A-I-N-E-R.com. Head on over. Head on over to Glocketrainer.com. Uh, very affordable, very cost-effective dry fire tool uh, that is obviously only available for Glocks, and it's available for almost all the models except for I think the Glock 36 and the Glock uh, 42. But everything else, we have Glocky Trainer models for, which is awesome, and the Glocky Trainer just simply frees you to focus on critical skills when you are working on your dry fire practice that sometimes become burdensome because you're having to constantly re-rack the slide to reset the trigger and so forth. Now, another product that Glocky Trainer, I think, would complement and work well together with is a new episode sponsor today, that one we've not really talked about before, and that is the Barrel Block. Now, not it's not spelled like you would, you would expect. It is b a r r e l, so that's that's normal. Barrel block is spelled b l o k instead of b l o c k. Okay, so barrel block is a uh, a safety device. Okay, and the way it works is it, it's it's simply inserted through the chamber of your firearm. It is caliber specific, and it is. Uh, it's polymer of some sort. I don't know what it's exactly. It's made of, but it's a plastic of some sort. And you slip it into the chamber of your of your gun, and it has a segment that protrudes down through and out the barrel of the gun. And so, basically, you can see, and others can see that you are practicing safely. Uh, you cannot chamber a live round while you're using the barrel block. Uh, it's very clear that you are that you're training or practicing or whatever. And it also comes with, you purchase a barrel block, you get uh, what they call the mag block, which are uh, little uh, uh, devices that basically, Anyone familiar with the Rogers uh, Magazine, Uh, I don't remember exactly what they call them, but (laughs) you you insert it into the top of your magazines that you're using for training purposes. And what the mag block does is it prevents the slide from locking back when you're manipulating the slide. So you can work on various drills and things, dry fire, but you're not having to, you you can actually realistically work the slide when you're intending to work the slide in a way like, for instance, if you're doing tap rack drills, you don't have to worry about the gun uh, locking back so anyway barrel block head on over to concealedcarry.com com forward slash barrel block b-a-r-r-e-l-b-l-o-k and pick one of these up today very affordable both of these products the barrel block and glocky trainer are aggressively priced they're great training tools that i think you should have as part of your dry fire practice tool setup so that you are actually practicing regularly and doing so safely so appreciate our episode sponsors of today. Oh, also before I forget, we also need to give a major shout out to Fioki Ammunition for their accommodation for us while at the NRA annual meetings. Uh, Fioki and Buell Collins over there were so wonderful to when we you know needed a place to set up and record some podcast interviews. He was right there, and Fioki was right there. Uh, even though they didn't have the biggest booth uh, that they typically, you know, would have like at some of the other shows, like Shot Show. Um, you know, sometimes space is an issue, but they were amazing to let us just come in and take over the place and record a number of interviews while at the show. And so, thank you to Fioki Ammunition and to Buell for making it possible. And uh, also, I did want to point out since we are not doing a normal news episode today, uh, but we are still having our case of the week segment from Andrew Branca. And so this one is a pretty interesting case out of Florida that was just ruled on recently and changes things in a dramatic fashion for probably many Floridians. Uh, so certainly, let's uh, let's let's hear what Andrew Branca has to say about that. And I'll catch you on the other side. <laughs>
1: Thanks for joining us for the Law of Self-Defense Case of the Week. I'm attorney Andrew Branca for LawofSelfDefense.com. This week's case is State v. Martin out of the Florida Court of Appeals in a decision handed down on May 4th, 2018. The defendant here, Mr. Martin, was out on the town with his girlfriend when the two of them got into a confrontation with each other. The girlfriend would claim that he punched her twice in the face after she refused to get back in their vehicle. He would claim that it was he who refused to get back in the vehicle. She therefore threatened him with a firearm, and in attempting to disarm her, he accidentally elbowed her in the face and somehow got himself shot in the arm. The defendant would end up charged with one count of felony battery, causing great bodily harm, and he filed a motion to establish immunity under Florida's self-defense immunity statute. The judge in that hearing denied him immunity. He went on to trial where he was convicted as charged. In the meantime, however, the Florida legislature had changed the rules for qualifying for self-defense immunity, and the defendant brought this appeal on the basis that he should get a new self-defense immunity trial under the new rules, essentially saying the new rules should be applied retroactively. This court of appeals decision agreed with him, vacated his conviction, and ordered that he receive a new self-defense immunity hearing under the new rules. Now, the case is worth reading in and of itself, and you can find this case at lawofselfdefense.com forward slash Martin. But for our purposes, the interesting facet of this case is it gives me an opportunity to clarify an area of confusion that many people seem to have based on inquiries we get here at Law of Self-Defense, and that is the difference between stand your ground and self-defense immunity. Unfortunately, when Florida adopted Both Stand Your Ground and Self-Defense Immunity, they did so at the same time, and as a result, the term Stand Your Ground has come to be applied to both these two things. They are, in fact, however, two completely different things. So let me explain. Stand Your Ground removes, waives one of the five elements of a self-defense claim. For your claim of self-defense to be valid, it must have up to five elements. Innocence, imminence, proportionality, avoidance, and reasonableness. What Stand Your Ground does is waive the element of avoidance. So now you only need four elements in your self-defense claim. The element of avoidance having to do with whether or not you have a legal duty to retreat before you can use force in self-defense. What Stand Your Ground does was actually redefine self-defense. It expands the scope of conduct that qualifies as lawful self-defense because now conduct would be lawful under Stand Your Ground where it might not have been lawful before if you had had a safe avenue of retreat before using force. So Stand Your Ground expands the scope of lawful self-defense. Self-defense immunity doesn't do anything like that. Self-defense immunity does not change the definition of self-defense. It doesn't make it either greater or lesser. It merely says that if your conduct qualifies as self-defense, however that might be defined in your jurisdiction, then under self-defense immunity, you can receive immunity from either criminal prosecution or civil suit, depending on whether your state allows for immunity for both or one or the other or neither of those. The states vary in the breadth of their self-defense immunity statutes. Some allow for only criminal immunity, meaning you would be immune from criminal prosecution. Some allow for only civil immunity, meaning you would be immune from civil suit. And some allow for both. And unfortunately, some allow for neither in that they simply don't have a self-defense immunity statute. But self-defense immunity is not a get out of jail free card. It doesn't change what was an unlawful use of force in self-defense into a lawful use of force in self-defense. It merely says, if your use of force was lawful self-defense, then we can provide you with immunity. Now, having said that, if I had to choose between stand your ground and self-defense immunity, self-defense immunity is, in the context of good guy cases of self-defense, far more important. I'm an advocate of stand your ground. I think it's good public policy. Right now, about 75% of states are Stand Your Ground states, and I wish it was 100%. But the truth is, for good guy cases of self-defense, the kind of cases of self-defense we might find ourselves in, Stand Your Ground is only rarely legally relevant because for most of us, if we have an opportunity to safely retreat from a fight rather than get into the fight, well, the smart folks amongst us take advantage of that opportunity. Not fighting at all is a great way for good guys like us to quote unquote win a fight. In contrast, self-defense immunity has application in every self-defense event because it can enable you to avoid the dilemma of the process being the punishment. A criminal trial can easily take months, perhaps years, cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. And what self-defense immunity does is it short circuits that process. You don't need to go to a trial in order to get an adjudication of lawful self-defense if you can do that in a pre-trial self-defense immunity hearing. So instead of either having to rely on the favorable discretion of a prosecutor in not bringing you to trial, which you might or might not get, that's his call, not your call, or alternatively having to go through a full-blown trial and hope for a favorable jury verdict, with the self-defense immunity pre-trial hearing, you can have this determination made for a few thousands of dollars in the course of a few weeks and have the situation entirely resolved, assuming, of course, you're successful in the pre-trial immunity hearing. Absent self-defense immunity, you have no options other than hoping for the discretion of the prosecutor or a jury verdict. Bottom line, stand your ground, and self-defense immunity are two entirely different things. Using the same term to apply to both of them only leads to confusion. If you enjoy this content, I invite you to join us for the Law of Self-Defense live show every Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern. It's totally free to either participate live or to watch the recording after each show. For more information, point your browser to lawselfdefensecom forward slash show. Remember, you carry a gun so you're hard to kill. Know the law so you're hard to convict. I'm attorney Andrew Branca for LawOfSelfDefense.com.
0: All right, so there you have it, Uh, State v. Martin, a pretty interesting case. Now, most of that discussion was around stand your ground and self-defense immunity and the, the the big thing is that basically for floridians standard or not standard ground excuse me self defense immunity was really broadened in a way and that and i think what andrews trying to get at is that's a very positive thing now that case is an interesting case who knows what happened there with martin and his girlfriend uh, it's a it's a icky 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 case as far as cases go but what has come out of it is that retroactively this change in self uh, defense immunity law it becomes a lot broader and, and applies to more people potentially. So that is a good thing. I think for all of us on the self-defense side, could that also help criminals? Uh, that's debatable, right? Because self-defense immunity, the whole point of that is to have a hearing and see that, Oh, Hey, this is a self-defense case and thus we're not going to take it to trial. But anyway, pretty interesting case out of Florida. Thank you, Mr. Branca from law of self-defense. Uh, if you'd, if you would please uh, uh, head on over to lawofselfdefense.com forward slash C-O-T-W, uh, which stands for case of the week. Uh, that, that That's a great link. Head on over there. Give him a little bit of support. I think you're going to find great value in what Mr. Branca brings to the table where uh, understanding self-defense law comes into play. So <clears throat> there is one last thing before I play this interview that uh, we did with John Lovell at the NRA show. And that is that our most recent episode of the podcast featured an interview. It was a bonus episode, so it was not one that was uh, regularly scheduled. It was just something that came up, and I had the opportunity to interview a gentleman who had to, uh, he had to kill a man, to, to put it frankly, uh, in defense of himself and his, in his home uh, in Tennessee a couple years ago, and uh, this gentleman, Nicholas Ring, uh, was so kind. I reached out to him. I was able to make contact with him, and, and he was so willing to come onto the podcast and share his experience. Now, I, I want to make a point here to that point, okay, to what I just said there that when we bring individuals on, we've had, a, we have, we've had several of them. And I'd love to bring more of these people on the podcast because I think there is great value in talking firsthand with individuals that have had to draw and or use a gun in self-defense. Right? I think all of you probably listening agree. And I think many of those episodes are some of our most popular episodes for obvious reasons. But I do want to make it clear that... When we have these interviews, my job as the interviewer, this is the way I see it. Now, maybe you listening, maybe you disagree, but my job is to let the person tell their story. And I ask questions along the way to make sure we get the whole story and that we understand the story fully. These interviews are not necessarily meant to be a demonstration or an explanation or uh, you know, to, to show exactly how you are supposed to defend yourself correctly and legally because even in some of the other instances, in the other interviews that we have shared on the podcast, was everything done exactly right or exactly correctly? Not necessarily. There's always areas where we can find improvement. There's always areas where we can critique. There are always opportunities to be armchair quarterbacks as we now having hindsight, now seeing the full picture, looking back, understanding fully how it played out. It's so easy for us to look at someone like Nicholas Fring. Fring. (laughs) Anyway, that Nicholas Ring, he had a situation that it's so easy for us to judge how he handled that situation. All right, so I did get an email from a podcast listener, and I appreciate him oh so much. And I'm going to keep his uh, identity uh, uh, anonymous here, okay? I'm just, but I'm going to share what he what what the email said, okay? And I think this is fair. He said, "I listened to your podcast today at work on the Nicholas Ring self defense shooting. I must say, I found it totally appalling." Obviously it's true, but listening to him tell his story, a good DA would have picked him apart just in the five elements of self-defense. Do you really think he covered proportionality? Mr. Ring, by his own admission, hasn't had any formal training. He was definitely panic-stricken. I certainly hope your listeners don't think that is the correct way to handle yourself in that type of situation. I'm all for concealed carry and self-defense. Nine shots? I think Mr. Ring better learn some shooting skills, take some classes, and train under stress. Obviously, he is totally inept in the laws of self-defense. That scenario should have play, been played out in his mind hundreds of times before it ever happened in real life. I can say that if the exact same thing happened in Pennsylvania, he would be in the state prison system playing catcher. Thank you. All right. So I want to address a couple of things in this In this. In, Um, uh, email that we received. First of all, I'm sorry if you found that interview to to be appalling. Frankly, I think that's a great opportunity for us. If you found it to be appalling, that's a great lesson for all of us to look at and go, okay, this is is a situation where not everything went perfectly. Far from it, in fact, right? Uh, He fired nine shots. He missed four times. Is that a problem? Yeah, that's a problem. I think... Nicholas understands it was a problem. He admitted as much. He said, well, yeah, you know, I kind of wish I hadn't missed, but fortunately, and he is fortunate, and he's also perhaps a little bit lucky, those missed shots did not harm anybody, all right? And you know what? That's not the first time that's happened, nor is it going to be the last, where someone attempting to do their best job defending themselves or their family might miss occasionally, and it's not excusable. I don't want to excuse that. However, it is reality. And hopefully, <laughs> we get lucky like Mister Ring did. Uh, and if we don't, we obviously have to be willing to accept the consequences of 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 those misses. All right, that's fair. We get that. Like I don't think I don't think I was ever trying to suggest by us having him on this podcast that it's okay to miss you know, uh, 40, 45% of the time. It's okay. No, it's not okay. We get that. That's why this is a great lesson learned. And that's why I brought him on. Um, a couple other things I wanted to touch on. Uh, you said that a good DA would have picked him apart just in the five elements of self-defense. Do you really think he covered proportionality? So about that. Okay. I, I think it's fair to say that a good DA could have picked him apart, maybe. But the reality is a DA probably looked at this case as some, you know, even if it was just in review uh, based on recommendations from, from, uh, uh, from the police department and went, okay, yep, yeah, all right, whatever. You know, was it a clean case? No. But do we have enough to go after this guy for? Do we have proof beyond a reasonable doubt that we could convict him on something here when it's clear that this guy broke into his house, was about to draw a gun on him in his bedroom, and he fired at him, all right? I think where the individual that wrote us this email is, is coming from is that he, he fired a lot of shots. Some of those missed. He continued to fire even after where it may have appeared that this uh, intruder was on his way out the door. All right? So the lessons learned from Nicholas Ring is, there's many, of course. Uh, I think that's true of all these cases, Um, would be, yeah, of course, you should make sure that you have training. By the way, him not having formal training has no bearing on whether he is justified or not in using that deadly force or whether he's going to see charges or not. In fact, if you have training, then you are probably actually, actually, I know this for a fact, you are likely to be held to a higher standard, all right? So in this case, the fact that he missed and he didn't have formal training probably boded well for him. If he had had a great deal of training and missed and continued to fire even after maybe it could be argued the threat was no longer a threat, that may have actually been a bigger problem for him, all right? But should we get training? And, and should we allow any of this to discourage us from getting training? No, in fact, I hope it does the opposite, that it encourages us to train, to, to obtain more training and to practice a lot more. And to be constantly prepping our minds, playing out scenarios in our minds. You can't play out this exact scenario hundreds of times before it happened, but you can play out similar things. And that's that's what we do when we are talking about prepping the mind. Mental rehearsals, having the proper mindset, having a solid understanding and knowledge of the law, and having that also be part of your mental preparation is key so that you know ahead of time when it is appropriate to use the daily force and when you need to stop. I would also just say that this is a great case, a great example as far as shooting on the move and shooting in less than ideal conditions. Number 1 is dark. Number 2 he was shooting one-handed because of number 3 where he had a phone to his ear. I actually took this as a great challenge. The next time I go to the range, I want to hold my ear to the phone and try to shoot. And I can I could just about actually I, I can guarantee you it's a lot more difficult than it would appear. When you can't your head over slightly as most people do when they tend to talk on the phone and you're taking that that uh, you're 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 changing things up from what you are normally accustomed to. We normally shoot with our head erect, straight up and down, you know, looking down the sights. And now you're changing the cant of your head, and that I guarantee you will change the way you uh, the way you aim your gun, the way you acquire your sight picture. All that stuff is going to change, and it will feel less natural. So there's a lot of things that we're working against, Nicholas Ring, as far as why he may have missed some of those shots still not excusable of course and I think he understands that but it's a there's just so many wonderful lessons for all the rest of us to learn from and so here's the big thing and this is the big change we're gonna make sure that we go that we do or implement going forward uh, and and I think this would have been appropriate and I'll probably go back and re-edit that episode and include this at the beginning now uh, It may not happen for a day or so but but I will we'll go back and re-edit the episode and we'll add at the beginning of, of Episodes where we have interviews like this, some sort of disclaimer that makes it clear that, look, all we're doing is sharing someone's story. Is it a perfect story? No. Are there mistakes that were made? Yes. Am I, as the host, going to call them out and criticize them to their face as I'm talking to them in this interview? I might make a comment or two here and there, but my job is not to put them on the spot and show them how wrong they were. In fact, I think that would be poor taste. So, and not only that, it's hard enough as it is for individuals that have been in situations like this to come on our podcast and share their stories with us, and and that that would that no one else, no one would want to come on the podcast if if that was our approach, that we brought them on and then we just showed them every little wrong thing that they did. That that's the wrong approach. But I do I do think that the 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 thing that we do need to do better is making sure that it's clear to those of you that are listening or watching the podcast, that this is not representational of the correct way or ways to do things or the right legal application of certain legal concepts, but really just a story that shows us the reality of gunfights and the reality of self-defense and that it doesn't always go perfect and we need to be prepared for that and then we need to learn from all these types of situations and do that much more to prepare ourselves. So with that, uh, I'm sorry, I sorry I ranted and raved a little bit on that for a little bit, but I, I did want to make sure that was all that it all came across clear. And if you haven't listened to it already, I would still encourage you to go back and listen to episode. Well, it's a bonus episode. It's right in between episodes 224 and this one today, 225. Uh, so listen to uh, the interview with Nicholas Ring. It's eye opening as far as some of the things that come out in that. All right, so there you have it. I'm done commenting on that subject. It is time now to talk about something totally different and really awesome, and that is the fact that Mr. John Lovell, uh, the founder of the Warrior Poet Society, which I just think is awesome. I'm a big fan. He was really, really... Honestly, genuine and very kind to come on the podcast and give of his time freely for us while attending the NRA uh, convention recently. And so we appreciate him for that. Um, An unofficial honorary sponsor of today's episode would be the Warrior Poet Society. And so I would encourage you to check them out, check out all of the great things I think that John Lovell is doing. And uh, you can, I think he explains uh, where to find him in the episode, uh, Warrior Poet Society though, in case you're wondering, is warriorpoetsociety.us. I really, truly feel aligned, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm self-claiming a lot here, uh, but I think what I'm trying to say is I would like to be considered a warrior poet. <laughs> I feel like that's a quite a distinction. I don't know what it takes to be to be considered that, uh, but but I, I look at certain individuals in this industry. Um, there are obviously terrible examples of this, but I think there are many wonderful examples of gentlemen who are smart who are well-educated, who hold themselves in, in, in high esteem and high regard, um, that they act that way, and that they take very seriously self-defense and training and everything that goes along with that. And it's it it's an art. It is a science. It is uh, an educational opportunity. This journey that we are all on, as we call them here on the podcast, as guardians, guardians. Um, John would refer to, I think, as warrior poets. And so I am pleased now to play back this interview with him as he describes what a warrior poet is and what the society is about. And we get in some other really great stuff as well with John. So I think it's a very enjoyable interview. I'll catch you on the other side for a brief uh, outro and, and, and goodbye. And so with that, let's cue it up. Hey, it's Riley and Jacob, and we're sitting here at the 2018 NRA annual meetings, and this is our first interview that we're conducting for the podcast, so there you have it, welcome to the Get Still Carry podcast, and uh, earlier today we were doing some interviews, or we were sort of producing, if you will, the Not Your Average Gun Girls podcast interviews, and so far they've interviewed some pretty cool pretty cool peeps, but now we get to interview our own really cool Dude, and that we're we're pleased to have John Lovell on the podcast with us today uh, with Warrior Poet Society. And uh,
2: thank you, John, for joining us. Thanks, man. Really cool dude. Is how you let led me up. I, I don't know if
3: I can live up to that
2: hype, but uh, I'm frankly I'm thrilled that you use that
3: word. <laughs> there's, Good. there's there's Good. some humility too. Apparently. Oh <laughs> uh-huh. uh, well. Now before we forget, we are uh, being hosted here at the Fiocchi booth. We're very grateful That's to right. their uh, generosity to give us a little space here. And uh, let us come in and do some recording. So thank yes. you, thank you to Fioki yeah, and Buell. You.
0: Buell's been on the podcast before. Buell Collins, uh, folks that uh, uh, listened to his episode, if you missed it, I don't remember what number it was, like two, I don't know,
3: fourteen, sure. two twelve, somewhere there. I don't know, somewhere yeah. around there.
0: So go yeah. go check out Buell's episode we did with him at Shot Buell Show. Collins. And uh, Buell was so awesome to say, "Hey guys, come on in and, and let's uh, do some podcasting from the Fioki booth this time." So uh, John's just he's 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 the lucky one to be a part of it. That's right. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more.
3: All right, John. So, people who are listening who don't know anything about Warrior Poet Society, or believe it or not, there might be people who don't know anything about you either. Uh, why don't you give us a quick, you know, the the, the the two minute bio? You know, your background, what you've been doing. Sure. What's, what is Warrior poet, poet Society? Well, let's rush
2: through me so I can get to what I actually care about, uh, which 10-4. is uh, more Warrior Poet stuff. Uh, yeah. me, I'm a former Army Ranger, so special operations guy. A uh, good bit of combat tours in the past, and uh, anyway, ended up going into the tactical training arena, so now I travel the country teaching pistol, rifle, room clearing classes, and some others around the country. So that, that's kind of my full-time day job. So uh, yeah, I'm also the founder of the Warrior Poet Society, and really what that is, it, it, it's, it's a movement, kind of a grassroots movement. All around the country, there's guys of a similar ethos that come together. They're normal folks. They're just committed to uh, be defenders of people and defenders of truth, I suppose. That's kind of the warrior aspect where we're trying to become increasingly more dangerous. Uh, But we're also poets in the sense that we're really just trying to be good dads and and good husbands, good people, people. you know we're trying to not be so meat-headed and lopsided right. that we're just grunting idiots that that you know want to name their firearms and pet them as we fall asleep or some <laughs> you know weird stuff <laughs> like that it's just uh, guns are a tool yeah. that we can use to defend those we love in a world that's becoming increasingly more dangerous so yeah. uh, think normal normal folks but that's that's kind of warrior poets
0: yeah. I loved it. You know, when I first found your organization a few years ago, uh, I was like, what a great name. I mean, Warrior Poet. I think if I had thought of that first, you know, like as far as like – because here's the thing. uh, We're we're concealedcarry.com. Yeah, yeah, it's trademarked. so back off. Yeah, no. So get get (laughs) up. Riley, Riley, I'm sorry. (laughs) Hey, you ease up, buddy. (laughs) Yeah, back it off. Uh,
3: Riley would like to be in the wheel now. No, you know,
0: so – so we had we have this membership within our own uh, business structure called Guardian Nation, mm-hmm. and uh, we spent a long time talking about what we wanted to call. Like we had this idea, well, we had this matter. concept, names matter, yeah. you know. And, and you know, there are guys out there that have coin you know that use the term sheepdog or you know all these different you know things that we call what I think would be warrior poets. I mean, like honestly, I think that's a way better descriptor and yeah, we had to come up with something else of our own. So it was like, well, well, you know, how do we describe these people? And we decided to, we settled on the term guardian. Okay. It's you a know, good,
2: it's a good name. You know? Yeah.
0: I mean like people that, like you said, I mean, normal people, part of the, their communities, wherever they are, good dads, good husbands, absolutely. Or, or women too, obviously, of you know, the other way around. Um, and, uh, but warrior poet, like I love, I love the way it sounds. Because number one, I think it makes it makes you sound like you're smarter than you probably actually are. Uh, you know, like I, if, I'm I, a if poet. I if I call myself a poet, I am far from being a poet. Like a legit, like write a poem or whatever. In but the literal but sense, well, It, it,
1: sure.
2: it <laughs> is certainly a metaphor. But what I <laughs> notice is a lot of people in, in the society they they're hopefully readers or trying to find enough margin in their. Busy schedules to yep. really develop intellectually and right. physically and socially. We're, we're whole men and women and right. not putting on airs and uh, filling some, you know, weird alpha persona, but. Truly, to be better protectors and just better human beings, warrior poets. Yeah.
3: Well, so. I, I, I'm glad you said that because yep. I think that uh, sometimes we neglect to remember about this idea of like a balanced lifestyle. Like the biggest, the biggest impact any of us can have on the world is probably not walking around with a gun all the day. And not to say there's anything wrong with carrying around a gun. Obviously, that's something we advocate for. But the real impact comes in the way we we parent, the way we interact with people in business, and those kinds of things. Now. John, I know you're an avid reader. What are you, what are you reading right now?
2: Uh, sure. So this morning I woke up, went out to my uh, hotel patio overlooking <laughs> Dallas. Uh, early in the morning I was reading from the book of Luke in the Bible, and all of a sudden just a whole bunch of people were like, whoa, you said Bible, I'm out of here. So well, <laughs> you, you asked. And so <laughs> that's what you're going to do. If folks want to. Well, you know, so that's one thing I'm reading. I'm reading Henry V mm. uh, by nice. Shakespeare right now. I did a video on aggression training. Uh, which is basically learn how to flip that switch yeah. where you can go from placid, calm, cool, and then all of a sudden an ambushing predator strikes and you're able to immediately throw a switch so that you yep. can meet him with incredible violence. So I, I came up with this silly little drill where I'm, it, it, it's tongue in cheek, it's, it's a joke, but it's also some good serious training where I'm kicked back and kind of like a reclining chair and I'm reading this epic, Portion of Henry V's play, <laughs> where Henry the fifth uh, is reading this uh, Saint Crispin's Day speech, rallying yeah. the English troops to do battle with France. And anyway, it's just epic scene. And every time I get kind of like into it, my buddy goes fight, and you have to get up and just <laughs> beat the tar out of this uh, humanoid boxing bag uh, called a bob. Uh, and anyway, just go nuts on him. So uh, anyway, I was reading from that. I'm like, man, I gotta revisit that. So I'm reading Henry V. Nice. That was a weird way to tell you a reading <laughs> list i ended up telling a story within a story I like it. I like but it. Uh, i'm doing that and i'm finishing up meditations on violence by rory miller i'll be doing mm. a review on that soon with rory miller uh on there so that's a really good meditations book. of violence meditations on violence and that's like my good. list right yeah, now yeah, yeah. So, and, uh, yeah, this, and and i, I I have a reading list. It's a warrior poet reading list, and it's on the it website. surveys. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Cool. 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 It, yeah. So it's on my website. If y'all do links and stuff, mm-hmm. we throw it below in the description. We'll if people are wanting to grow in that area, but it, but it kind of parcels out a whole bunch of areas of discipline, so that we don't become intellectually lopsided. So that we're surveying uh, the areas of history and philosophy, theology, and of course. Uh, Fighting stuff, whether it's tactics or shooting mm-hmm. or uh, mindset stuff, which is really the mother of all uh, the uh, areas of self-defense training that you should be looking at—the mindset aspect. Yeah. So, anyway, looking at all kinds of different stuff yeah. like that. So, uh,
0: well, I, I can tell already we're going to be friends. I mean, and this is feeling like a, a an episode with Kyle Lamb. Which I
2: just <laughs> ran into Kyle Lamb. I was on my way here. I was almost late and it would have been Kyle's fault because yeah, anyway. Uh,
0: we we can't ever do a podcast episode with Kyle without you know delving into what he's been reading recently or good. Jacob. I'm usually the last one on the list as far as like I don't read anything that's probably terribly yeah, profound. You're too boring. But <laughs> No, but here, here here
3: John, here's what I'm thinking. Like I think that what I love is this is we're you were having a conversation about the deeper purpose here. Yeah. Because we get so tied up in this industry on the what that we sometimes forget to talk about the why. Yeah. Right? And, Absolutely. And and I think that that why is the critical component uh that, that you know it's 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 really the talk you know talk lightly and carry the big stick kind of idea. It's like sure. Well why why are we doing this? Yeah. And not not just like the the big you know the big well, because you know there's like threats everywhere and Al-Qaeda and ISIS and stuff, you know, like, yeah. no, like the, the, the deeper, like, no, uh, I have children yeah, and I care about the future of, of our society and where we're going. And I, I have, a, I have a problem with the violence that we see, like those, those deeper kind of things. And so if, if, if this isn't a, a too personal of a question, I'd love to hear what, you know, what is, what is, what is, what is John's why? Like, what is, what is that deeper purpose you connect with That's cool. when you do what you do? That's cool. Yeah. The what is usually gets all
2: the limelight. When I'm traveling around teaching, it's here is how you Mm -hmm. uh, flip the switch for violence to be efficient in your, you know, draw stroke and shoot and all that jazz. And and, and I care about that, but it is the why that drives me more. Uh, You know, so it's the difference of you can have someone with an incredibly high level of skill and training. Like we saw this with the Parkland shooting and officer failure to go in and then just recently what was the guy's name? Uh, kid uh, who rushed the gunman it's in the like, Waffle uh, House.
3: Shaw. So like Shaw. Sh- yeah, yeah. James Shaw. James Jr.? Shaw. James, That's yeah. it. it. Yeah.
2: Here's an unarmed guy without any training that runs yeah. at the dude and what is the big difference where, because everyone you you look at in any of these violent encounters, surely you could have interviewed everyone in that wall, every dude and be like, what would you do if so-and-so came in and started shooting up the place? And every dude in there would say, well, I mean, I'd rush him, or I'd grab a fork and, you know, Ninja Chinese star him through the eye and just, you know, (laughs) I will, I would, I would, I would, I would. and, And really people freeze people, you know, and, People watch, well, I'd just go Jason Bourne on him. I'm like, yeah, but you wouldn't. And you don't know what you would do. And so there needs to be an internal motivator that ne- you can't necessarily find on the flat range because I can't train character and I can't train courage into you. I can make you very dangerous with guns and tactics, but still, if you don't have that will to fight... Yeah. You can get really heavy in all of your training, but you'll still cower. Yeah. You'd still yeah. run the, the the test of the coward. So the why, it should be at the forefront of our minds as we're, taking all kinds of different training. The why should also grip our attention. That's part of why we want to be readers and we want to be good family uh, men and and women because without it, we're not answering the why. We're really just playing a game of training. It's really more relegated into a hobby, generally speaking, uh, than something that's going to be realistically able to be summoned when all hell starts breaking loose around you. My why is quite easily... Uh, my family, of course, my wife, my baby boys, who I just, you know, adore my family. It's my neighbors. It, 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 it's, it's you know, kids attending school that I don't know. It, it, it's everyone at this NRA show, you know. I, I may not know them, but uh, I, I still have, have a common love for people. I really genuinely like people. I even like some of my trolls. <laughs> you know, like, here, yeah, if you want a fun afternoon, just read <laughs> – Read some of the comments that my <laughs> trolls leave me on my YouTube channel. Warrior Poet Society, and just—I yeah. mean, you're like—you can't make this stuff up. You guys suck, and and some of them suck, and and I, that yeah, I, I don't want anything to do with them. But even some of my trolls, I do like. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so so uh, anyway, and uh, you know, I'm 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 no sane. I'm just struggling to. You know, same biases and prejudices, everyone just trying to work through it and become a better human being. But but in in my core, I do love people. I I want to do that, you know. So um, uh, anyway, then there's the whole aspect of, you know, uh, uh, fear and conquering that. There's the will to risk your own life in the defense of others. Mm -hmm. Uh, So in effect, you have to be ready to die. You have to be ready to kill, meaning... What is it worth killing for? Right. What levels of violence would you go to? to, to per- have you even pictured that? Uh, so all that stuff. And what, ha- what can help you master the fear when the chaos starts happening? Have you ever walked through the fire before? No. How do you know you'd perform well? How do you know that you wouldn't do what almost everyone does? And that's freeze, run or high, but to run at your impending doom is a very, very rare rare thing. And that's why it's the stuff of heroes. That's why it it gains, you know, public attention. It's because it's so freakishly rare. That's why we watch the movies It's because it's rare. What makes you think that you would actually rise to the occasion? Mm. Because even your training doesn't guarantee it. It's an internal motivator. It's linked to character. Yeah. Uh, and it's linked to uh, your love and affection of your common man. Here's the thing, uh, you know, so I think if you love uh, extravagantly, I think you will fight courageously. That's what mm. I think. I, I, I think if you genuinely love people, you'll be ready to risk. And if, if you love people more than you love yourself, you're ready to risk for them. Of like, yeah, they, okay, they're going to kill me. Who cares? Good luck touching my wife. I will die a thousand deaths yeah. before you harm a hair on her head. Of like great, torture me to death, but you will not and that's the kind of fighter mindset you need to to really drive forward of I, I look at I think it's 1 John 4, 1 John 5 in the uh, Bible, ancient writer, uh, ancient dude by the name of John says this line. He says, "Perfect love casts out all fear." Of like you, you know, you want to talk about mastering fear? Just perfectly love those that you want to rescue and the Mm. fear thing won't be up you're you're a mama bear rubbed of her robbed of her kids you're ready to run into a fire but you will and that's the kind of stuff that's the why so let's be better husbands let's work on being good family men let's work on loving people and developing in that in that heart area, the mind area, so that it couples up with our firearms training. Yeah,
0: it's it's interesting. Yeah. By the way, I'm really happy that we've gone this this direction, talking about this why and the motivators behind what we do, um, because it's deep, and it's not something that we probably give enough airtime to. Um, I'm I'm thinking you know, I don't mean to turn this into, like, should we arm teachers or not arm teachers or anything like that, but I'm thinking of some recent conversations I've had. You know, obviously Parkland is still fresh in everybody's minds. And, you know, there's been this talk about, you know, all right, should we arm our teachers, right? Now, beside that, is that an issue? But one of the things you sometimes hear is, well, we're educators. I don't want to, you know, like, I want to be focused on teaching these kids, not having to be concerned with carrying a gun. And I'm thinking, I mean, I get that, by the way. Like, some people just aren't warriors, right? But at the same time, like, I interact with my kids' teachers, and I see how much they love my kids. And I'm thinking, you know, like, there's got to, to me, I feel like there's got to be something there that, you know, I drop my kids off at school, and and you there at school are responsible for my kids, and I know you care for my kids, or you wouldn't be a teacher, right? Teachers love kids, or they wouldn't be teachers. Uh, There's got to be something there that, that, you know, like, I, I sometimes wonder, like, if there's something that we could wake up, you know, and in people at times as far as like really understanding yeah you might not want to be thinking about having to defend yourself or defend kids or carry a weapon or get certain training you know as far as like i don't know pick up a baseball bat you might not want to have to think about that but but at the end of the day like do you love those kids or don't you love those kids yeah i don't know i I'm just sort of like rambling here because this is the thought process going on. I'll, s-
3: I'll save you, don't worry, um, from, from the Riley ramble. No, oh, I, I appreciate what you said. I think it's more than just teachers. I think what, what you said really was insightful and, and John was talking about is this idea that we are more than just a gun, right? It, yeah. Like we all carry so many roles of who we are. Uh, John, I mean, I, I know you would identify yourself as a disciple, yeah. right? Someone who's trying to follow, uh, follow you know, your, your values and your beliefs, um, we also identify all three of us as fathers and as husbands. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I am an employer and I'm a this and I'm a that. So, so, you know, we all have all these different roles and we have to, you know, I don't, I don't know that I believe in balance, this idea that, you know, I can perfectly balance all those things because I, I just think that's a bit of a fallacy. But what's important is that somewhere deep down inside of me are the, are the things I can do that impact all of my roles, Yeah, including my role as a shooter or as a defender, or a guardian, a warrior, whatever we call it. And so, if I work on the deepest parts of who I am, and I'm trying to constantly improve that base, that foundation, then I will fight better too. Absolutely. And I think that's that's to me at the core of your of your message. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: I, yeah, I think so. But uh, anyway, I, I think a lot of people that are following the you know caught up in the movement. It is truly a society. It's not the John Show of like, <laughs> yeah, I'm the guy on the camera and I'm the guy talking it a lot. But I think it resonates with people because. It, it it almost gives a uh, public permission to to be balanced and wide and to just be normal and to to be able to you don't have to be pigeonholed in as you know tat sleeved alpha <laughs> grunting huh <laughs> but uh, just be a normal dude right Riley I feel you with the teachers thing as well if y'all wanted to go down that route and I haven't figured it all out I just. Uh, you know, immediately my mind went to Coach Aaron Fees. Uh, yes, you remember this absolutely. one? Where, where, uh, which shooting was this? Was this that was Sandy was, uh, was Hook. No. No, yeah, no, no. It was no. like the Parkland one. Maybe it was a Parkland one.
3: No, it was
2: uh Oh, man. I, I forget, see, this is actually part of the problem is yeah. now all really... these copycat murders, these worthless mass murders that are going in, it's this mass contagion yep. effect, which, unfortunately, it is just going to keep happening. It's going yeah. to keep getting worse. all of these shooters possess these firearms illegally and broke things, so you can't I, I, I understand the different arguments on both sides so i want to I want to you know speak judiciously, but as I see it based on what's already happened, could you pass a law that would have pre- prevented these things from happening? And the answer is no, because they broke laws to be able to accomplish these right. crimes. So obviously something else is going to be required to keep us from stacking up bodies of little kids. Yeah. Uh, and, and just what I know, real world as a former soldier, uh, somebody who's been in fights, somebody who understands criminal psychology as making a life study of violence and the motivations right. uh, on both sides— I recognize the only way that you're really going to stop these folks is with someone who's also determined with means, uh, and that usually yeah. means a firearm as well, who's able to stand in the gap. I, I thought about Coach Aaron Fees who ended up – It was have Parkland, it by the way. It was Parkland. Was it?
0: Yeah, it just felt like he, that was longer ago for some reason.
2: I know, but they yeah. are blending together, yeah. which makes me feel like a jerk Yeah. Uh, for, for not knowing, but they are blending together. But anyway, he used his – He used his body as just a bullet shield for these kids. And there I saw this great warrior poet who, oh, God, if he had had the means to be able to stop the death. But all he had to do, all he could do was take the bullets for these kids. Look at that mindset. Look at that great warrior poet. I don't know him, but, oh, I love him. And I wish I could have given him a firearm. He would have figured out some way to be able to level the playing field. But right now it is illegal for these teachers to be able to protect the kids that they love. Can we just at least if we don't arm the teacher, I don't think you should just be like, hey teachers, here's uh-huh. some guns now. Like that could be Open potentially up that could be <laughs> catastrophically yeah. awful. But what if we just didn't say, hey, Aaron, oh, you've got some firearms training already. Great. Then here's here's our rules so that we can prevent bad stuff from happening and kids gaining access. It'll be a concealed deal. And uh, you got a certain amount of training that whatever stipulations a school has to put on them to give them the good, warm, fuzzy for responsibility and liability. But please make a path where it's not illegal for them to be able to defend their kids. Yeah. I've heard people talk about, hey, look, we, we've got armed guards for our celebrities that protest our guns. We've got yeah. <laughs> armed yep. security for our politicians who protest guns, which is really hypocritical. Here. Yeah, which is really hypocritical, yep. by the way. Our our money yep. is guarded by people with guns, yep. but our kids, nope, have at them, serial yep. killers. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I just find it hypocritical. Let's figure something
3: out if we really yeah. love our kids.
0: Yep, so true.
3: Thank you for that, John. I think that's <laughs> I love your passion, man. I'm getting so pumped. Um, John, I, I want to go back to something you said a couple times uh, earlier when we were chatting. I want to get more insight on this because it's clearly a, a, a point of your philosophy. You talked about flipping the switch of aggression yeah. yeah, and kind of the ability to do that and potentially even the ability to train to do that talk a little bit about your and
0: and i'm glad you're asking by the way and coming back to it because you you just did a video recently too about that aggression training right right yeah yeah Yeah. i saw that
3: so yeah so talk about kind of what your philosophy is there and maybe you know what what is it you're trying to impart on people about this idea sure and i have some youtube videos where i'm really
2: giving it more of let's understand how our physiology and our psychology works behind that and i've got some situational awareness videos that are, are kind of circle around that idea as well but but it's developing fighter mindset it's the mother of all the training pieces it is the most important it's the whole it's the biggest part of the enchilada everything else is a side dish meaning your firearms training and your tactics it's it's mindset driven stuff if you fail at that you fail at all Mm. uh so um anyway the switch is really important of you can't walk around ready to you know just strangle people Mm -hmm. strangle and kill people that's called being a psychopath, and you should <laughs> avoid that. Yeah, you possible. should avoid that, yep. or be a full-time soldier that never comes home. Yep. <laughs> you know, one of those two options, if that's you. Uh, because if you become that person that's always in the red, always ready to kill, you are a criminal or a career soldier that doesn't come home. Kind of thing. You you won't be able to function in society. You certainly won't be able to function in a marriage you're going to destroy right. your kids you idiot thug calm down and be a normal dude it is the kind of you can't operate in that level where you're always ready to kill so what you need to be able to do is be a normal calm human being that is high functioning in society somebody who's you know, uh, putting people at ease and loving your kids. And, and we keep kind of saying that stuff because that, that's all, that's all you, you guys are dads. That's, yeah. that's one of the big fundamental yeah. pieces of what we do and who we are and, and and whatnot. See, now the problem that we are confronted with is, as we're normal folks, when violence befalls us or, or those around us, the nature of how bad guys attack, they are predators, that's how, that's how they hunt. That's what they do. They prey on the weak. They prey on the people who are not situationally aware, the folks that walk around uh, who are constantly in their technology, the softer or easier targets. The guy with veins popping out of his forearms, who weighs 260, who's grimacing and meetings everyone's eye line with eye contact, that guy's not getting mugged. No. <laughs> the the cutesy sixteen year old girl that looks like she just left cheerleading practice and hasn't looked up for thirty minutes while she's walking with her phone, there's the a target. target. She's the target. Bad guy. Well, anyway, bad guys can target all kinds of people. A lot. Yeah. Most of crime, as we see it, is more opportunistic. But then there's also criminals of a psychology that's far more developed, where they're following more of the criminal planning. Uh, you know criminal planning cycle and they're picking targets and gathering intelligence and then deploying and then initiate attack and then escape and then their exploitation and that's the criminal planning cycle uh anyway because bad guys are ambush hunters because it all happens so fast and they come on you suddenly yeah whether you're you know the person being attacked you know and what whoever you are if you get attacked that's always the stuff that's on the police report well, wow, it, it all happened so fast. They came out of nowhere. And a bad guy generally wants to catch you when you're off guard and overwhelm you so that you have minimal time to respond. That means even as a martial artist, you don't. it doesn't look anything like the sparring match that you had in yeah. your dojo. Yeah. There wasn't the time, there wasn't the distance, there wasn't the ready, set, go, and there's no rules, yeah. right? You may get stabbed four times in, in the back before you realize you're in a fight. And then it's this just disastrous gaggle as you fall to the ground and none of it's the clean martial arts or even a lot of the, Not the choreographed. clean, it looks nothing like what you yeah. did on the flat range. It doesn't feel like that at all, which makes me as a trainer have to really be creative and realistic in how I'm going to approach violent encounters from mm-hmm. a gunfighting perspective. Yeah. But, but regardless being able to flip that switch where we are able to go from calm, functioning, Tickle fights with the kids, making out with the misses to ready to uh, bite someone's jugular in two. Uh, someone who is absolutely ready to do that. We need to develop a switch. We need to develop the ability to, uh, you know, uh, go savage all of the moment uh, or all of the sudden. And the trick is, is that you have to develop that switch and you're the only one that can switch it. Someone can't make you mad and road rage, and all of a sudden, they flip your switch. Again, all you're going to do is go to jail, as you should. Mm-hmm. You should go to jail. You yeah. you developed an aggression switch, and someone else can push it other than you? You're a time bomb, and I want nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. I won't train you until you have the emotional maturity to be able to handle the dangerous skills I'll give you. Yeah. So... uh Anyway, that
3: that's kind of broad strokes talking that's about great flipping of a it. switch. Yeah, you
0: know, the, having a switch, but only you could push that switch. Right. Well, that's I, really I think key. I think
3: one of the biggest, uh, and this is maybe Jacob craziness, but my, my perspective is that what's often lacking is the understanding of the level of aggression that has to be adopted in that moment. Right. The the switch is not just a switch of okay, I'm going to now activate training thing. I'm yeah. going to draw a gun <laughs> and present on target and slowly press trigger. Yeah. yeah. You know, like it, it's it's this understanding that no, in that moment. I love, yeah, I love you. Know, you Said bite the juggler in two or something. It's like, yeah, you know, that, that level of absolute one hundred percent commitment to to solving the problem now, right. To the best of my ability, I, I think that, that we just lack that. We right. don't, we don't, and, and you know, to you, you're a trainer, and we're we're trainers, and we just as an industry we fail uh, to teach that.
2: That's great. At times, yeah. Uh, Now, we've also got a lot of other things of, uh, you know, what is moral? This goes into mindset as well of, well, they bumped into me and they said, sorry, but I don't like. They just dissed me, and so I savagely bite their jugular in (laughs) two. Well, I mean, that's not right. (laughs) We have a problem. (laughs) uh, problem. Yeah, a little bit of a problem. Hey, hey, buddy, you may want to take it down a peg or two. Sure,
3: (laughs) sure. Uh,
2: But then there's also the legal criterion as well if we have a a kind of – there's a certain escalation of force. Now the legal terminology is objective reasonableness. Or, um, so what force were you met with and what would a reasonable person in the same situation surmise is the appropriate level of force required? So, you know, all of a sudden, an 85-year-old lady on a rascal tries to bayonet me with a crutch uh, and I step offline, two to the body, one to the head. Uh, you know, that that's not a good escalation of force there, you idiot. Yeah, objectively, I'm sorry, that's it, not reasonable. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that that's morbid and terrible, and some people are like, why did you say that? I'm like, because hyperbole can sometimes be entertaining. I love old ladies, <laughs> we're, not, we're we, not going We swear there. John's Man, never done that. We should probably edit all of this out, but I know you won't. <laughs> like, holy cow, did he go... Anyway, there, hey, there's real legal aspects that you have to go with. I mean, yeah. uh, somebody, uh, you know... Uh, well, you think that they don't like your face and they're going to punch you uh, because they don't like you, but it wasn't a lethal force thing, and you use lethal force, you need to go to jail for that. You didn't read the terrain right. That was a fist fight, and you killed them for it. Yeah. So it all has to do with what is a reasonable amount of force that you should meet someone with. So that's stuff that needs to develop on, too, and so it's important that I am able to... Be in charge of that aggression switch, so I know exactly how far to push it. Now the goal for me is I want to avoid a fight. I do not want. It is far better to run away and avoid a fight. Please do that, unless you have no choice. You know, and so uh, you know. Anyway, yeah. Now, if if it does require lethal force, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do it. Hey, I don't want to fight. I don't want to fight. It's lethal force, and. You go absolute savage. Whatever is required to stop that threat. Yeah. Uh it yeah, you yeah, you want to. Overwhelming violence, the same methodology that right. the bad guy is using. I'm not picking the terrain here. I'm just reading it yep. as any good soldier would. Failure to read a battlefield and understand how to use the terrain. The the you know, the the components on a battlefield means you're gonna lose. If you don't read the battlefield, you deserve to die for it. Uh, from a tactical standpoint. Uh, And that's all I'm doing is reading the terrain here too. But you need to be able to hit that switch and when necessary, activate the most savage parts of the uh, recesses of your brain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. some follow-up questions
0: to this. Um, First of all, I'm going to prep you with one question I want you to think about it for for just a minute before I ask the the other question because we're going to answer these in reverse order. First of all, um, we've talked about... You know, mindset as, as viewed from like the warrior poet's perspective, right? Uh, and what that looks like, and this need to to flip on a switch, and also the need to really understand your why, what motivates you, and not, and have a clear understanding of what that means. Okay. What I'd like to, to to hear from you in a minute is what does that look like on the on the bad guy side? Okay. So, like, what you know, you've you've hunted bad guys. Yeah. Right on the battlefield, uh, you train now across the country. SWAT guys, police yep. officers, other soldiers, the works, right, and so you study the criminal mind, yes, t- to a degree, right so so what do, does their motivation look like and what you know we see bad guys that are very effective at being bad guys, yeah, right, that are very good at winning winning fights, unfortunately, yeah uh, for the good guys on the, on the losing side. Uh, what makes them maybe special as far as like you know, I, I, I look at it as like okay. We might talk about love—love love of our children, love of our wives, love of our country, whatever it is. Uh, love of our communities—is it love, right? Because that just seems a little weird, right? I don't think of it as being love. But what's motivating them? That's that's the first thing. Second thing is how do we know? This is something I struggle with. Have I been in a gunfight? No, I've not been in a gunfight. I've trained a lot for one. Uh, I've spent time as a law enforcement officer. Like I'd like to think that I'm that I. Hey, let's go. Like if we need to do it today, let's do it.
2: How do we know when we're ready? Great question. Like uh when the, is the mind? Yeah, the very there. first question and and save me in case I get so into whatever the first question that I fail to remember the well, I'm second. Bring back. So bring, bring it back, <laughs> but first off when uh when talking about the criminal mind, it's important to recognize that criminals are as unique in some of their thinking as you, you and I, and, and other people that I may just encounter out in public. People are after different stuff. Some people are, uh, they desperate uh, they're desperate for the affirmation of other people. They're people pleasers and their success means lots of people like them and follow them. And, are friends with them. That's what makes them tick. Somebody else is a captain of industry, and they want who they are is their job. It's their position. It's their title. Someone else their who they are. I am a mother. You know that is who I am. And if I'm good with my kids, I'm good with the world. Yeah. Uh, and so people are after different stuff some people are keeping up with the joneses some people give a flying rip what the joneses think about their house and their awnings you know so people <laughs> are different and in the same way you can't just throw a bunch of criminals into a junk drawer and say ah bad guys think like this i'm like right. well, which bad guy? they're very very different and nuanced some bad guys are just after opportunistic low-level stuff that's just Smash a windshield, grab a purse, sort through. They may even feel bad about it later, but they're after something, sure, right? Some sure. people are after drugs. They're they're living to forget, and they'll do anything to get that fixed. They're not really interested in hurting people. They want to believe they're good people most time. And, and uh, strangely enough, is generally all bad guys. No matter how psychotic that they are, they always seem to believe that they are justified and. It's important that they can view themselves as a moral being, even if they're chopping people up and eating their sure. organs. They somata- somehow yeah. justify it morally, meaning they're moral creatures, and and yeah. that usually makes people think, "What in the world is going on?" Then there's the the you know psycho who may be very very charming or brilliant sociologically, uh, but he is, I mean, he or she lives for the sick twisted control that they can exercise of a human a, yeah. as a, a lion playing with its food as it slowly and that's the real sick twisted one right. that's the one you really won't see coming unless you're very good at knowing how to read it and even if you are they can they can fool you and so i mean you look at the opportunistic low level person some people after drugs some people after property some people are after the relish and the experience of the a sick, twisted crime that gets them off. Uh, so, I mean, there, there's yeah. all kinds of stuff. A lot of low-level bad guys, they want the easiest target that gets them what they want without getting injured or caught. That's yeah. usually usually what we're talking about here is that person. Yeah. Easy target, low stakes, uh, high reward. Yeah.
0: I, I kind of suspect that's where you're going to go because my perspective uh, of, of most criminals is that there is a desire there. There is a motivation, but I don't think that that motivation is as great as perhaps what a warrior poet's motivation might well, be. It right? Can't you know, in be, other words, in order to survive, right? That's right? The
3: point: the person with the deepest uh, purpose and passion and connection to that is, is is has the advantage in the fight before tactics and skills. Is that fair? Um, I I would like to think that's fair, and I think
2: it sometimes could be fair. The problem is, is bad guys don't fight fair. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Meaning sure. when they get to choose the moment of attack. So if I didn't do a real good job with situational awareness and read my threat indicators and stuff, if they caught me by surprise, they get to go first. So I may be a better shooter, an amazing tactician, but they chose the battlefield yep. when, where, and how. And then they, you know, have already planned it out of how they're going to really quickly uh, uh, gain control, power, get in, get out, and it, by the time you've got through your OODA loop, your psychological decision-making criteria, it's already done. Meaning, I've got a yep. pretty quick draw stroke. I can get out of my, you know, holster from concealment and a good bit under, or a, a nice bit under a second usually, just when I'm when I'm ready for it. But the problem is, is that's not my real-world response time. It's Wait, what the crap is that? Oh, a gun. And then like, wait, it's a bad guy with a gun. What should I do? You should bolt while drawing and shoot them. And all of a sudden, I'm 2.1 seconds in. Yeah. And, you know, gen- the average gunfight's over in three seconds. Yeah. At three yard. meaning, holy cow, man, you're out of time as soon as it begins. You're already yeah. way back. Yeah. So I could be impassioned. I could be well trained yep. and I could still lose because the, the bad guy can sometimes have such a massive tactical advantage. It's almost insurmountable. And that's yeah. what we're up against. That's where we begin mm. framing the fight that now we must begin training right. for. Yeah.
0: And I think kind of what I'd like to get out of this, and, and feel free to correct me if I say anything wrong, but is just simply that when, when we decide, when it is time to hit that button, to flip that switch and act. We we need we need to understand that we really the importance of acting with conviction, with really following through. Like when it's time to act, it's time to truly act because chances I I suspect in a lot of encounters, particularly like home invasions, a lot of times those guys are not expecting. Like they want to come into an empty house most of the time. I mean, there are exceptions, obviously. Which
2: means if they come in during the day,
0: generally they're after your stuff. If they come in at night, night. they're after you, right? Generally. but regardless, you know, if you respond with just immense violence and intensity, you know, if they're just there to get some stuff, like chances are, well, this, is, this isn't worth it today, right? Yeah. But if you don't respond with that same level of commitment, you know, that might change the fight a little bit. That's that might change wonderful. the battlefield, right? That's
2: wonderful. And for the home defense, my, my hope is is that your listeners would never have to entertain that because if you're in a fight at your house at night, it means you've already failed on a number of levels. Oh yeah. yes, I mean yes, you, you need. You. I mean you need signage. Beware of dog, and you know a, a bunch of kids' toys in the front yard, and it, all this kind of helps in the mind of psycho You know, psycho You need uh, security lighting that comes on. You need uh, video surveillance that gives you alerts when people uh, get onto your property line. Yeah. You need to make sure your neighbor's house looks better than yours.
3: Uh, <laughs> or easier, uh, Hey, neighbor. You, let me you help you with that. You need to make sure that
2: you've kick-proofed your doors with things like <laughs> night locks and stuff. So even if yep. that you know, all that stuff came through, then your alarm system, and then you've got security plans and panic. But I mean, you you should they should have level after level of do not mess with me. Uh, you should have lots of early warning. If someone can walk up, kick open your door, you know, and the average. Door in the United States is one to three kicks, even for actually security doors, one to three kicks. They can really be face-to-face with you before you really even process it. Don't fail at your early warning and prevention stuff. My goal is, man, my house is a mess. I mean, you have to really earn the right to fight me, and then it's going to be such a (laughs) hellacious counterattack with my little nasty tricks because I get to set my own chessboard. Your house is your own chessboard. Yeah. Meaning you get to kind of set the pieces before your opponent set, sits down at the table. <laughs> no. And if you don't win that match, you really should have set it different. So ambushing with different light and unpredictable uh, plans. You should never have to be able to talk to your family because they are already on board with what they're at. So you get to just fight. Yeah, You never have to say, all right, honey, do this and that. You just give them your... Give the spouse the, hey, code word, skateboard. Skateboard. And then, you know, that's the yeah. little password. Yep. And that means initiate home defense plan. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and yeah. so you bring the thunder. Sorry, yep. I went down yep. a tangent. No, no, of no, no this is defense. important. Uh, home, a tangent of home defense just because people think they home defense, oh, yeah, I got a gun. I'm like, you Neanderthal. Listen, uh, good you got a gun, but, man, your home defense plan should have so much in it before you ever even talk about guns. guns is yep. like the last thing. Yep. Last so like, and then if they all else fails, you got a way to blow them away, uh, yep. and it's going to be a disaster for them. You got an AR pointing at the doorway when they come in, and yep. you're just going to unleash hell. I mean, that's going to be a real bad day. It's awesome. going to provide a great incentive for them to go away. Good. <laughs>
0: yes. That, that was great, man. So um, the other question that I asked, and I think this is about where we need to wrap it up is how do you know, because we've spent all this time really talking about these whys and mindset and yeah. aggression training. Yep. So how do we for someone that's listening to this and they're like, "Hey, I've never been in a gunfight. I've never even been in a real fight." Yeah. But I want to be prepared. I want to be, you know, mindset ready as best as I can. How do I know that when 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 the when the moment comes that I am ready to act?
3: Have I done enough?
0: Can can we know?
3: Um yeah,
2: so I want to be careful with this because yeah. as a, uh, a loaded question. Well, yeah, and and also I just uh, I want to answer with equity and humility here because yeah. just because a person has performed well in the past is no guarantee that they will do so well in the future. Sure, I could get That's in a fight personally, and I've been in my you know fair share of gunfights and fights. Uh, I could play the coward tomorrow. I could shrink. I, 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 that yeah. That is a possibility for me. Now, it is less likely for me because I've walked down different roads and I've you know, anyway, it's less likely for me. My odds of, you know, responding more on the hero aspect of or favorable response is a little bit higher, but there's no guarantees. So in one instance, if there's nothing you... You can't be sure. You can't be yeah. sure. But what you can do, first and foremost, is make sure that whoever... Whatever question of, like, hey, is this worth dying for? And if it is, make sure it's really a no-brainer worth dying for. Yep. You know, so in which case, perfect love casts out all fear. You love others, and so you think little of yourself. The soldier who fights, they love the people to their left and their right, and they're ready to die for them, and they're ready to kill for them. Yeah. And that's what's in the soldier's head. The yeah. same with a, a cop in a shootout. Furious that you would have the audacity to try to shoot them and their partners, how dare you, you know, yeah. <laughs> summon that kind of rage. That that brings into the nu- next thing of that anger switch to be able to to work on rage. You need to have controlled environments uh, where it is okay for you to be like, all right, ready? And I want you to go absolutely savage on that bag. Are you ready? It doesn't matter. Beep. And they're just... Just go nuts. Uh, Engage in martial arts. Training is Mm -hmm. fantastic. Get used to getting hit some and hitting others and bringing the hurt and thinking under call or under uh, stress. Uh, If you have anything in life that uh, scares you, run toward it. You're afraid of tight spaces? Great. You're splunking now. (laughs) So uh, get used to fear. It's physiological effects and learn to run toward that fear. Also start training with a firearm. Uh, And even just the act of somebody who doesn't carry a gun. Who starts carrying a gun? All of a sudden, you're like, you'll have your first day ever carrying a firearm concealed. You will be like Captain Situational Awareness to you. Every bush probably has a ninja hiding in it. I mean, you're gonna all of a sudden fighter mindset goes through the roof. Also, um, little pre-rehearsed what-if games. Uh, cops play this all the time. Uh, hey, what if somebody jumps out of that van? What you know and tries to yeah. abduct? Me or my your wife, or you know something like that, or what happens if someone tries to kick in my door in the middle of the day, and I am out in the backyard? Oh no, what do I do? That and right, so, so you're visualizing those. Yeah, you got to visualize. The, it's hard to get the body to go somewhere that the mind hasn't gone already. Yeah. And part of being able to stay ahead of the, uh, you know, the chaos curve, uh, and being able to manage the fear. Is to not be in such unfamiliar territory that it mentally paralyzes you, because you have to bring in the take in the world around you, develop a plan that you're good with morally, legally, tactically, yeah. and then execute. And that's just too tall of an order usually yeah. within one or two seconds, which is your maybe your only allotted response time. You need to already have that gelling down, knowing how you're going to respond. So. All of that kind of stuff is really helpful, right? Yeah. Yep, It's about doing as much as stuff. you can. Yeah, and, and and like I just talked about matters of the soul and heart. I talked about psychology, matters of the mind, and I talked about of the hands too, of being able to have that skill and 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 you know a kind of hands-on training. To it is the whole man. Yeah. That enters into a violent encounter. Yep. So if you have not done the mental work required to rise to the occasion, you can be physically trained and still cower because your mind lagged behind. Uh, and, so, and what if you didn't have the character, the, the aggression? You weren't really, not really willing to trade your life for mm-hmm. theirs. Sure. You thought you were. Right. You hoped you were. But really, when it came down to it, you found an excuse to stay outside the school and not go in uh you will look for that so that's heart soul mind hand strength all of it comes together and so warrior poets we're training the whole man the whole man is required right
0: that's a great place to end uh you know so john where do people find you Uh, or find out more about you and (laughs) warrior warrior poet society
2: sure so uh one easy way is in any social media medium john lovell um l-o-v-e-l-l john lovell or just type in warrior poet yeah and in fact you can put it in anywhere in the internet just john lovell or warrior poet my website's out there uh pretty big following on youtube uh and instagram uh facebook uh, so uh, anyway, and yeah. it's warriorpoetsociety.com, dot com, right? It's warriorpoetsociety.us. dot us. Oh, dot us. Yeah, but yep. just Thank type you. in warrior poet in yep. the. Yeah, just Google. Uh, yeah, or John yep. Level. Yeah, because way. it's trademarked. It's trademarked. So back up <laughs> off of me.
3: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Sorry, Riley,
0: you're out. <laughs> it's so, it, dude. Uh, we love what you're doing. Thanks, man. Uh, keep up the great work. Uh, this has been a very. Thought-provoking discussion that uh, I didn't quite expect us to, you know, like we we often don't know where we're going to end up when we start these uh, interviews. And yep. I think we ended up in a really, really good and interesting place. Well, so I,
2: I enjoyed it. Thanks, guys, for the, the honor, the privilege of uh, being on this.
0: Great. Well, it's yeah. our
3: honor. Thank you very much. Thanks, so
0: there you have it from us here at uh, the NRA Annual Meetings 2018 in Dallas, uh, Texas. John, thanks again. Jacob. And uh, we've got another great interview coming up here. We're going to start momentarily. So, folks, see you on the other side. Okay, there you have it. Lots of gold nuggets, I think, in that interview. And uh, yeah, I, I have nothing more that I can possibly add. Just a reminder to give John and the Warrior Poet Society some love if you care to do so. Warrior Warrior Poet Society dot us um, and. Uh, one last uh, final shout out to today's episode sponsors, Guardian Nation, GuardianNation.com, also the Glock E Trainer, GlockETrainer.com, Trainer.com, and the new barrel, well, new for us, the barrel block, uh, which you can go to concealedcarry.com forward slash barrel block, B A R R E L B L O K, to find out more. And, uh, yeah, that's all I've got folks, uh, coming up here in a couple of days, we will have another interview from the NRA show. We'll be playing back on the podcast, uh, Thursday, we'll actually be, uh, teaching our first course course—not the first time we're doing it, but our first course in a series of three courses this, this weekend that, uh, Jacob and I, and also Matthew Marister, are teaching, which is the, tri- I'm referring to as the triple guardian, uh, because it's guardian essentials, which is the kind of defensive handgun level one type class. Following that on Friday is guardian standards. and we we pivot on things that are learned on day one. and basically I'm going to say set the standard. There, there's a, I'm not going to give a, give it all away, but but uh, there's a, a variety of tests and opportunities for discovery on day two as, as a person goes through guardian standards. And really finds out what they're made of. And then day three, which will be Saturday later this week, is Guardian Breakthrough. And so basically, that the whole point of that course is to build on the essentials, of course, of day one, the standards of day two, and bring it all together. And typically, what I start to see with a lot of shooters is they get to a fairly high level of proficiency And they plateau. And so day three is really intended to help them break through that plateau and send them on their way uh, to, you know, hopefully spend a lot more time now than at home practicing everything they've learned uh, so that they continue on their journey to becoming guardians. Uh, So anyway, we're looking forward to uh, this class. We'll be teaching it in various locations uh, later this year as well. It's a new curriculum for us that we're rolling out at concealedcarry.com. We we do appreciate all that you do for us that all of you listeners and many fans uh, offer us in terms of support. Uh, We wouldn't be doing what we do if if you weren't there, if you weren't a part of this family of ours. And so with that, uh, I'm going to let you go hope that you have a great rest of your week. After that, have a great weekend. Have a safe weekend. Hopefully you get out and do some shooting. For those of you that are joining us in this weekend's class, it'll be a great time and I look forward to meeting all of you. So with that, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care.